0: The United Nations is the seat of the prophesied end-time world government. We will discuss remarks by the current Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, along with President Trump's versus President Biden's first speeches at the UN yesterday, and how all of this affects America on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Well, we're at the General Assembly at the United Nations again this year, the annual General Assembly, and the speeches are flying. So, yesterday, um, Joe Biden gave his first speech at the United Nations. Antonio Guterres spoke as well, the current Secretary General of the United Nations, and Antonio Guterres said he asked that the nations to end their subsidies on fossil fuels and end the use of coal, invest in renewable energy, and tax carbon and pollution. Now, we've talked about this for a long time. Carbon taxes. That's all based on a complete hoax, everybody. Human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. Carbon emissions, taxing them from factories and different things. It does nothing to solve this uh, fictitious propaganda uh, problem that comes out of the United Nations. Human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. It's another hoax. But yet they're wanting to... It's a wealth redistribution scheme. So... What's it all about? Let me go into this first with Antonio Guterres and then we'll get to President Biden and then we'll get, we'll, I'm going to compare him with President, some of President Trump's actions to let you know that, and I think you may already know this, but Joe Biden is a globalist, believes in a world government. And so let's talk about it and I'll give you some history. We'll go into all of it. So carbon taxes. Let's talk about driving humanity into world government. After World War II, the United Nations was founded as an international organization to now this is the ruse, everybody, to maintain peace and security by developing these friendly relationships between nations and promoting social progress, right? I mean, the idea behind this institution It sounded great. No more world wars. We'll all just meet at the United Nations, talk out our differences, and go back home and everybody will be happy. Well, of course, it's never worked. Everybody still goes to war and the United Nations is simply a paper tiger at this point. Well, that's going to change in the near future. However, the idea behind the institution of the United Nations. It sounded great until it was discovered that the charter establishing the United Nations was drafted by a communist spy, Alger Hiss. Go to the United Nations today, ask the guides, who's Alger Hiss? They'll all say, oh, we don't have a clue. That's because they don't want you to know. Maybe, maybe they've never been told. But you don't, there's no pictures of Alger Hiss, there's no mention of Alger Hiss, who was the architect of the charter for the current United Nations. They don't want you knowing about it because he was a communist spy. At the end of World War II, Stalin, Churchill, and Roosevelt came together at Yalta in an effort to end all war. It was during these meetings. Roosevelt was a globalist, believed in a world government. It was during those meetings that the charter for the concept of this global government structure called the United Nations was written. Of course, this key American man, he wasn't from Russia. He was supposedly an American. He was responsible for the formation of the United Nations. Again, Alger Hiss. You can read about him on the Internet, get all the information, but he organized the American delegation... Roosevelt was a dying man at that point and he gave these negotiations to Alger Hiss. So he organized the American delegation and he served as the acting secretary general at the very first United Nations meeting. Alger Hiss also served on the steering committee and executive committees and was charged with the responsibility of actually writing the charter. Well after playing such a dominant role in the developing of the charter of the United Nations, the current charter, mind you, and in the founding conference, three years later, he was convicted in U.S. courts of perjury. He lied to cover his activities as a communist spy. Previous to this, he, 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 uh, Alger Hiss had accompanied President Franklin Roosevelt to the Yalta Conference, Where, if you remember after World War II, the carving up of Europe, who got what, by the United States and Russia, took place. Alger Hiss took part in that. At this time, again, Roosevelt was a dying man. And so consequently, his sidekick, Alger Hiss, carried the bulk of the negotiations for America. Now remember, he was a communist spy. What Russia did not win on the battlefield... Of course, she wanted the peace table, right? Because her own agent Alger Hiss was assisting Roosevelt with the negotiations. Of course, Roosevelt was a, 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 a again. He was a globalist. He believed in a world government. He put a Novus Ordo Seclorum, New World Order, on our dollar bill. So this explains why Russia received so many concessions at the peace table at the end of World War II. You wonder why Russia ended up with so much of Europe. Alger Hiss was on the side of the Americans negotiating. So, Alger Hiss designed the United Nations, of course. To, he was a communist. So he designed the United Nations to be a global union of socialist republics. He, Alger Hiss designed the structure of the United Nations to ultimately become a world socialistic government. And it's the United Nations has always been socialistic. Well, of course, Alger Hiss went to prison, but the United Nations continued to be a structure for the one world government system. And, you know, with a communistic agenda, from its beginning, with a communistic agenda driving the mechanics of the United Nations, it's easy to see how the the global elites have been able to work from within the United Nations to quietly build a world government. And so, I wanted to lay the groundwork here for the speeches that we'll get into in just a moment. I'm going to talk about President Biden's speech yesterday and I'm going to refer back to some of President Trump's speeches and then I'm going to I'll, I'll lay out the big picture here of what's really going on.
1: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
2: The seven vials are coming in the form of sores, darkness, great hail, people being scorched with immense heat. Bible prophecy shows us that each of these judgments will be far worse than anything imaginable. The good news is there is hope. In our brand new video, learn how to be immune from these gruesome judgments and have peace in the end time. This month only, get our new DVD, The Seven Vials with a Gift of Any Amount. Go to endtime.com slash DVD or call us at 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. This offer is only valid through the end of the month. Go to endtime.com DVD or call 800 end
0: Wow, so are we living in the end time? Absolutely. Revelation chapter 13 prophesies an end time world government would be established just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. We're watching it happening right now, folks. Listen to all the speeches at the United Nations. Anybody that's in the know will be talking about Yielding up their sovereignty. We are on board with the United Nations. We are going to work together to solve the problems of the world. There's no mention of God. They'll never say, We're going to ask the Lord to help us with this. That, that's never going to happen at the United Nations because the United Nations is totally humanitarian. They believe that they have the answers to all of the crises going on in the world, even if the crises are total propaganda. And so there's no mention of God whatsoever. God does not like world government. The Bible tells us the efforts towards a world government right now are driven by Satan himself. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 13, the dragon gave it its seat, power, and great authority. So it's not a good thing. And so I'll get into, the, I'll get into some more in just a moment, and we'll get to President Trump and President Biden. However... Really quickly, uh, this weekend, my wife and I will be in Mattoon, Illinois, at the Apostolic Center, 205 Country Club Road, that's in Mattoon, Saturday evening at 6 o'clock, this is the September 25th. I'll be doing the big timeline, the future according to Bible prophecy, on Sunday morning, something a little different, uh, we'll be at the same church at 945, and I will be teaching um, a hybrid type service. A little bit of prophecy going into some preaching and then uh, believing the Lord will, is going to move on a lot of people. If you've, um, if, if you've never heard me preach, I'll be doing that Sunday morning a little bit. Again, it's going to be prophecy teaching, preaching, uh, and a lot of different things. The evangelistic service. It's going to be awesome. So looking forward to a great time in Mattoon, Illinois. If you'd like to join us, all the information is on the website. Uh, Go to endtime.com, the events tab, conferences, and we'll be up there looking forward to a great time in Mattoon, Illinois, this coming weekend. Now, world government. So in looking at the United Nations, hey, it's a socialistic world government, and that's the goal, and to promote the belief in global warming, propaganda, totally. That's one of the number one vehicles to reach the goal of world government. You've got to pe- keep people. You've got to keep people scared, in perpetual fear mode. Fear mode. You've got to keep people scared because if they're not scared, you're not going to be able to push your agendas on them. And in the name of security, they'll yield up their sovereignty. So there, and Joe Biden talks about it in his speech. I'll get to that in a moment. So one of the core belief systems, I wanted to talk about um, the the taxing carbon credits and things like that that Antonio Guterres mentioned, the current Secretary General of the United Nations. And one of the core belief systems of socialism, the United Nations, totally socialistic, is is that most conflict in society stems from the ever-broadening gap between the wealthy and the poor. Remember uh, the Communist Manifesto? It was all about the haves and the have-nots, right? So the contention is that the wealthy are the ruling class and will inevitably use their economic power to enforce their will upon the less fortunate. And the ultimate socialistic solution to this problem is to abolish private property ownership, for the state to own all principal means of production with the central government re- redistributing wealth evenly among the masses. Now, that that's never worked, ever. Because eventually they run out of money, they've made everybody poor, and they're running everything, and the government can't run everything. Those people in government don't know how to run a business. I think Donald Trump's the first businessman, or one of the first, in a long time that's been president and look at what he did for the economy. Okay. Now we've got somebody who's never run a business in there and gas prices are going up. Inflation is shooting up. Grocery prices are going up. We're begging overseas for um, energy and the list goes on on and on and on and on and on and on. So the result of this wealth redistribution would be a classless communistic society where a global government would ensure equality for all citizens. It's never worked, nor will it ever work. It would be impossible to fully realize the dream of a communistic one world government without the redistribution of wealth from the developed nations to the poor underdeveloped nations of the world. That's what the, this is the main goal of the global warming and climate change hoax, everybody. If you want to know what's really going on behind all of this stuff and that the seven-year plan by Pope Francis and all of this stuff, it's all about the redistribution of wealth and the, the elites taking over the world government. The United Nations elites know that a perpetual global life-threatening crisis is absolutely necessary to convince wealthy nations to accept the punitive costs of, this is what Antonio Guterres talked about in his speech, the punitive cost of cap and trade taxes. So how does that work? Wealth redistribution is exactly what carbon cap and trade laws are designed to accomplish. The government will set a cap on the amount of carbon emissions... ...that an industrialized nation can emit from their factories and things like that. If the limit is exceeded, carbon credits can be purchased from underdeveloped nations... ...who have more credits than they need. Now, this does nothing to solve the problem. It's all about wealth redistribution, socialism. Now, remember... I have, I've proven many times conclusively, myself and Irvin Baxter, that the CO2 emissions have nothing to do with global warming. Okay? It's easily proven. Global warming fear-mongering is simply a scheme put together by global elites to redistribute the wealth of the world and to move us into a world government. Well, of course, Antonio Guterres, the current Secretary General of the United Nations, he's all for this. He is one of the main ones that's spinning the tale of human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change. And global warming is only one of the messages being used to force the nations of the world into world government. Anytime you hear global governance, uh, propaganda like Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030, sustainable development, nationalized health care... Social justice and these um, national identification programs think world government. it's all about control, control, control. But it is global warming, or should I say climate change to be politically correct that is that's that's the present the, the poster child being used to frighten everyone into giving up freedom in order to save the planet. Now, socialism at the United Nations. Again, from its inception, and I want to make sure you understand this before I get into um, President, what President Biden and President Trump talked about. I'm going to do kind of a versus. This person said this versus this. Again, from its inception, the United Nations, designed to be a socialistic world-governing body, charter written by Alger Hiss, communist spy, later revealed to be a a communist spy. To this day, not one word of the original charter has changed. Antonio Guterres, the current Secretary General of the United Nations, he was president of the Socialist International, SI, from 1999 to 2005. He was the world's leading socialist socialist. Prior to this, he he had also been in, he had been a um, Socialist International Vice President between 92 and 99, as well as the chair of the Socialist International Committee on Economic Policy, Development, and the Environment. So, the Socialist International's own website, they state that they want to strengthen the United Nations. And that it is important, it's an important step in the creation of this new democratic world society. They're not hiding what they're trying to do. They're trying to create a socialistic, one-world governing body. The, the president of this for many years is the current Secretary General of the United Nations. It goes on to state where there is a consensus among the major nations. Significant peacemaking and peacekeeping initiatives are possible. The U.N. specialized agencies like the World Health Organization, and I'll get to that in just a moment when we talk about President Trump, and the U.N. organs like the the United Nations Development Program, the United Nations Children's Emergency Fund, many of them have demonstrated that the governments and citizens of various nations can work effectively together in pursuit of common international goals. Socialism is the political ideology of the international community, everybody. The United Nations Socialist Red. So, on September 19, 2017, during his first speech at the, as President of the United States at the United Nations, President Donald Trump made the following statement. He said, and I'm quoting, the problem in Venezuela is not that socialism has been poorly implemented, but that socialism has been faithfully implemented. He said it's the worst case scenario. From the Soviet Union to Cuba to Venezuela, wherever true socialism or communism has been adopted, it has delivered anguish and devastation and failure. And those who preach the tenets of these discredited ideologies only contribute to the continued suffering of the people who live under these cruel systems. Now, that was President Trump's state, part of his statement at his first speech at the United Nations. And he's, again, he's speaking in front of Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who was the number one socialist on the planet... For many years, he was the president of the Socialist International from 1999 to 2005. President Trump comes along and hammers socialism at the United Nations. All right, now, I've laid the history here and I've given you, told you what's going on behind the United Nations, the Antonio Guterres. I wanted you to understand the history before we analyzed President Biden's speech. So, here we go. President Biden addressed the 76th UN General Assembly yesterday. It was his first speech before the United Nations. And President Biden stated this. He said that we, he's speaking on behalf of the United States, obviously. He said, will we meet the threat of challenging climate. Now, here we go into the spin, the propaganda of human-induced global warming, which leads to climate change, which is a hoax. But he's got to spin this, the United Nations propaganda because he's a globalist. He believes in a world government. This is the propaganda coming from the United Nations, so he's going to be a mouthpiece for it. He says, will we meet the threat of the challenging climate? The challenging climate, we're all feeling already ravaging every part of our world with extreme weather? Or will we suffer the merciless march of ever-worsening droughts, floods, more intense fires and hurricanes, longer heat waves, and rising seas? Do you think the seas are rising, everybody? If the seas are rising, I have a question. Why would President Obama and his wife by an oceanfront property out on the Atlantic? Why would they do that if the sea levels were going to rise 6 or 8 or 10 feet? Doesn't make sense, does it? Just a question. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Moving on. So, President Biden goes on to say, Will we affirm and uphold the human dignity and human rights under which nations and common cause more than seven decades ago formed this institution? Talk talking about the United Nations. He says, will we apply and strengthen the core tenets of the international system, including the United Nations Charter? Now, he's talking about the United Nations Charter here. Who wrote the United Nations Charter? Al Hiss, a communist spy. But President Biden is advocating the charter here, folks. The President of the United States And many presidents of the United States before him. Every one. Now some of them were very hesitant. Some of them just blunder into it like drunken sailors. But at the end of every presidency from 1945 until today. Every single one except President Trump was on board at the end of their presidencies with the United Nations. And this is what President Biden is telling us in his speech yesterday. He said, and as the United States turns our focus to the priorities and the regions of the world like the Indo-Pacific that are most consequential today and tomorrow, we'll do so with our allies and partners through cooperation at the multilateral institutions like the United Nations. He's all on board with the United Nations trying to push us back into world government
3: and this is prophesied for the end time whether it's a global pandemic threat of war or floundering economies end time events are happening around the world every day how can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast.
0: You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So President Biden here showing his true colors as a globalist, he said, through cooperation at multilateral institutions like the United Nations to amplify our collective strength and speed, our progress towards dealing with these global challenges, they're going to work with the United Nations. Now, I understand We, the Bible tells us that we're not going to be fully engaged with the world government in the end time. We're going to stand with Israel and back her and protect her all throughout the end time. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. How all that plays out, not sure. Is, will Joe Biden go off the scene? Somebody else come in who's a conservative? Don't know the answer to that. But I know the prophecies always come to pass. But I know that we currently have a globalist in the White House trying to push the United States into that world-governing body. Something will happen that's going to disengage us from that institution before it's all over with. So, moving on through the speech, uh, President Biden said yesterday at the United Nations, we're back at the table. President Trump was pulling us away. Joe Biden comes in. He says, we're back at the table in international forums, especially the United Nations, to focus attention And to spur our global action on shared challenges, he's all in, folks. I think that's pretty easy to see. Now I'm going to go through more of the speech, a lot more of it actually, and you're going to see he is all in. He's kind of like the drunken sailor that just is going headfirst in, not even—I mean, with no no um, hesitancy at all. Just tell me what you want me to do. President Biden also said that we are re-engaged at the World Health Organization and working in close partnership with COVAX to deliver life-saving vaccines around the world. All right, now, let me compare that statement, World Health Organization, with President Trump. President Trump announced to reporters at a Rose Garden event, you remember back on May 29th of last year, He said that China has complete control over the World Health Organization and that the U.S. is terminating its relationship with the embattled World Health Organization over its failure to enact reforms in the face of concerns over its handling of the coronavirus uh, pandemic and its pro-China virus. He said because they have failed to make the requested and greatly needed reforms we will be today terminating our relationship with the WHO and redirecting those funds to other worldwide and deserving urgent global public health needs. Now, because President Biden is so drunk on the idea of the world governing system, he's willing to totally overlook what President Trump exposed and pulled us out of and say, you know what, it's irrelevant, I'm gonna, we're going to join with and work with the World Health Organization moving forward, regardless of how China-biased they are. So, I wanted to inform you about this because of what this will do to America. Now, am I worried? No, I'm actually not. I don't walk around in fear, I'm not trusting in government. For my safety, I trust in the Lord. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I am not going to let the current administration, the world government, all the speeches at the United Nations affect my walk for the Lord, the mission that I'm on, the commission that we've all been given to reach this world, preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God to the entire world. That's our mission. We're going to stay on that, on that mission. However... We've got to understand that we're living in the end time, folks. If you're not on board and have been born again, have made your calling and election sure, what are you waiting on? How far do we have to get into the end time and expose all these the, the uh, agendas of Satan and his minions before you'll say, you know what? Wow, man, I've got to get do something for the Lord. I just... You know, that's the whole goal of all of this is for us to show you how close we are. I mean, you understand I'm talking today about the entity, the end time world government that was prophesied about 2000 years ago. I'm talking to you about that in on the air right now. And this is supposed to be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. The world government's already established everybody. There will come a time in the near future when a a world leader usurps authority over that functioning world government, and it will become the kingdom of the Antichrist. He's going to rule for three and a half years. That's just ahead of us. I'm not second-guessing this. I've watched all the prophecies that have occurred up to this point. Every single one of them have come to pass in intricate detail. So we can't look at this world government and say, well... You know, I don't know. You, you know, maybe maybe we've made a mistake here. Maybe we uh, maybe it's not going to come to pass like the Bible says, folks. There's not one hundredth of one percent chance that this will not come to pass. We're already watching it come to pass. We've already seen the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire that will be the leader of this world governing body. It's already happened back in two thousand nine. Now, President. Biden yesterday in his speech. I want to make sure I drive this home to you today. He said, hey, we've rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement. Now, what's that all about? Well, I I want to take you back to President Trump's withdrawal from the Paris Climate Agreement. Why it's so important that President Biden would say that yesterday. Totally diametrically opposed to President Trump. So the Paris Climate Agreement... And the Sustainable Development Goals, they are really twin efforts designed to specifically govern the planet. One without the other, pointless. The Sustainable Development Goals were unanimously adopted by all 193 members of the United Nations back in September of 2015. This would have been under the Obama administration. The United Nations Global Governing Plan is called the Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. According to the United Nations own website, these 17 Sustainable Development Goals with 169 specific targets attached to that demonstrate the scale and ambition of this new universal agenda. That's a quote. So the Sustainable Development Goals are an effort by the United Nations to control every aspect of every person's life on the planet. One of the main areas of critical importance is the planet itself. According to this 2030 Agenda, we are determined, and this is a quote, we are determined to protect the planet from degradation including through sustainable consumption and production, sustainably managing its natural resources, taking urgent action on climate change so it can support the needs of present and future generations. This is the reason for the Paris Climate Agreement, everybody. Without a commitment of every nation, the uh, Sustainable Development Goals were signed on to on September 2015. The Paris Climate Agreement was signed in December of 2015 just a couple months after that. So without a commitment from every nation to curb their greenhouse emissions, it's impossible to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals. They worked hand in hand, okay? So on January 18, 2016, during his opening remarks at uh, Abu Dhabi Action Day, I want you to remember, if if you didn't know this, UN Secretary General... Ban Ki-moon, prior to the current Secretary General, he actually stated, and I'm quoting, the Paris Agreement was adopted after the Sustainable Development Goals, that agenda, and they are twin plans for transformative progress. Sustainable Development Goals are the vision, climate change is the commitment, and this vision and commitment should go hand in hand. They are part of our grand design. Grand design for who? You and me, everybody. These should complement each other. If we don't implement the climate change agreement, all of the sustainable development goals will not be fully implemented. So, ABC reported yesterday in his speech to the Assembly that U.S. President Joe Biden announced he would work with Congress to double again the United States' financial commitment. Remember I talked about sustainable development goals, and wealth redistribution early on. Well, Joe Biden um, wanted to double the United States' financial commitment to support developing nations. Biden pledged in April that the United States would increase its contributions to the global climate financing to $5.7 billion per year, putting a new commitment over... billion a year, folks, to an absolute hoax. Remember, it's all about wealth redistribution. Well, with that said, now you can understand the importance of President Trump's withdrawal from the Paris Climate Agreement. On June 1, uh, let's see, uh, 2017... President Trump said, and I'm quoting, therefore, in order to fulfill my solemn duty to protect America and its citizens, the United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. Thus, as of today, the United States will cease all implementation of the non-binding Paris Accord and the draconian financial and economic burdens, uh, the agreements it imposes on our country. This includes ending the implementation of the nationally determined contribution and, very importantly, the Green Climate Fund, which is costing the United States a vast fortune. President Trump realized that the Paris Climate Agreement was all about wealth, redistribution, socialistic principle, and he said, "Now nah, we're done with that. President Biden yesterday told the United Nations, folks, we're back, and we're rejoining the United States, onto the Paris Climate Agreement. What is that? Wealth redistribution. He's now committed the United States taxpayer to $11 billion per year to an absolute hoax. Now, Get your stomach in a knot, doesn't it? If I wasn't serving Jesus Christ and know that he had all this stuff in control and that he would take care of us before it's all over with, yeah, my stomach would be in knots. It really would. My stomach is not in knots. I I read this stuff all day long and I'm thinking, this stuff's crazy. I know it's got to happen, but I have a place of safety and that's in Jesus Christ. I know he has always brought us through. He'll always bring us through. However, today... If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've not been born again, if you're not serving the Lord, yeah, this stuff would tend to put your stomach in two or three knots or more. So it's very important. You want a place of safety? Jesus Christ. You want a sound mind in the midst of all the chaos? Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm I'm out here. I'm on my own. I'm I'm a maverick. And, you know, Jesus Christ really doesn't love me. That's a lie from the enemy. Jesus Christ loves everyone. He came and died to purchase a plan of salvation for you. The Bible says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. You want a sound mind in the midst of all the chaos. That comes through serving the Lord Jesus Christ and being born again, being prepared to make heaven your home. With that said, we'll get back into more world government, more speech on the other side of the break. Okay, back to the speech yesterday at the U.N. General Assembly. President Biden said, We'll continue to uphold the longstanding rules and norms that have formed the guardrails of international engagement for decades that have been essential to the development of nations around the world, bedrock commitments like the freedom of navigation, adherence to international laws and treaties, support for arms control measures, that reduce the risk and enhance transparency. Our approach is firmly grounded and fully consistent. He's saying our, the United States, our approach is firmly consistent with the United Nations mission. What's the United Nations mission, everybody? To be a socialistic, one world governing body. And he, President Biden goes on to say, and the values we've agreed to when we drafted this charter. The charter of a socialistic, communistic spy, Alger Hiss. He says these are commitments that we all made and that we're all bound to uphold. You wonder why there's such a drive for socialism by the liberals in America? You have one in the, 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 in the administration right now. Well, there's many. But I'm saying the leader of the administration right now is saying we're all bound to uphold and adhere to the United Nations Charter. That's why I gave you the history of the United Nations Charter at the beginning of the program. Socialism. Now, might I remind you that the United States signed... The Declaration of Independence. I went back through and went through the Declaration of Independence today. We came out from under King George. Why? We did not want a foreign entity telling us what to do as American citizens. We signed the Declaration of Independence. We wanted to, we instituted governments to help us with our um, pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we did not want a government to come along and be tyrannical over us, especially a foreign, not only our domestic government, our our government here, but a foreign entity beyond that. So we signed the Declaration of Independence, independent nation, not the declaration of interdependence. You understand? But you've got President Biden that's saying that we are bound to uphold the edicts of the United Nations Charter. Most people, I promise you, in the United States do not understand the United Nations Charter was written by a communist spy, Al Jair Hiss. Folks, we are free people. Not bound to a foreign government or bound to uphold any commitments by, made by a globalist. We have to remember our founding doc, documents here in the United States of America. We are free people. That's one of them. And honestly, when we talk about the vaccine, that's one of the main reasons that I haven't taken the vaccine. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody who has. But I simply do. It's a it's a slippery slope when the government can mandate what you put in your body, folks. We're free people, and so you know I'm thankful for the states that are fighting against this. And I've got a friend of mine who is the CEO of a hospital, and he says, "Nah." I'm not taking the vaccine and I'm not going to require my medical staff to take the vaccine. I was shocked when he told me. I thought all hospitals were just going and falling in line. And he was like, no, he said, I'm going to see how all these states lawsuits play out. And, you know, it's just a it's just the thought of the government being able to tell me if you want to take the vaccine, that's your choice. It's a personal choice. I'm not criticizing anybody. But what I'm saying is. When we can get to the point where the government can mandate, I put something in my body, now that's a slippery slope that none of us need to go down. And so, you know, I hadn't planned on saying that today, but still think about all of this stuff that's going on. And thankfully to all of these states that have said, nah, we're going to fight that because that's simply not right. You see the societal conditioning today, a vaccine few years from now, a chip. You see the societal conditioning where people would say, oh, the government said it, so I've got to do it. But the governments were instituted among men to protect our pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. And so, very important that we understand these things. Um, You don't just have to lay down and take some stuff. Now, I understand People's at risk of losing their jobs and all these different things. Again, if you want to take the vaccine, I'm just saying it should be your choice. It should not be mandated. That's the slippery slope we don't want to go down. Okay, man, got to get back on the speech yesterday. So President Biden stated the United States remains committed to preventing Iran, from gaining a nuclear weapon, we are working with the P5 plus one to engage Iran diplomatically and seek a return to the JCPOA, the nuclear deal. We're prepared to return to full compliance if Iran does the same. Okay. President Trump, he withdrew from the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action the Iran nuclear deal. Ever since 1979, Islamic the the Islamic Revolution, Iran has been the world's number one supporter of terrorism. How can you negotiate any kind of a deal with that? Think about it. Their goal is terrorism. Now, whether it's uh, who? Hezbollah in Lebanon. Whether it is Hamas down in Gaza. The Houthis in Yemen. The money trail always seems to go right back to Iran. In Iran's political rallies it's become common to hear death to little Satan or um, Israel, death to big Satan, the United States. And when it, when it became obvious that Iran was moving toward obtaining a nuclear weapon, the five permanent members of the United Nations Security Council, the United States, um, under the Obama administration, the United Kingdom, Russia, France, China, plus Germany, the P5 plus one, and Iran reached a, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA. Okay, again, how can you negotiate with a terrorist? Okay, <laughs> you just, you, you can't. Well, the UN dispatch actually stated the United Nations is at the center of the Iran nuclear deal. So, or it's referred to as the J, JCPOA, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Under the JCPOA, Iran agreed to eliminate its stockpile of medium-enriched uranium, cut its stockpile of low-enriched uranium by 98%, and reduce about two-thirds the number of its gas centrifuges for 13 years. The agreement provided that in return for verifiably abiding by its commitments, Iran would receive relief from the United States, European Union, the United Nations Security Council, nuclear-related sanctions. Okay, so when the JCPOA was enacted and the sanctions were lifted, hey, then the money begins to flow once again into Iran's coffers. What'd they do with the money? Did it go to help their people of the country of Iran? Nope. They're a terrorist organization, folks. Guess where the money went? Before long, Iran was again funding terrorism around the globe. Now, in May of 2018, President Donald Trump, he abandoned the Iranian nuclear deal, and he stated this, and I'm quoting. He said, the agreement was so poorly negotiated that even if Iran fully complies, the regime can still be on the verge of a nuclear breakout in just a very short period of time. This deal's sunset provisions, in other words, it was going to end, allowing them to get it anyway, a a bomb, The deal's sunset provisions, they were totally unacceptable. If President Trump said, if I allowed this deal to stand, there would soon be a nuclear arms race in the Middle East. Everyone would want their weapons uh, ready by the time Iran had theirs. So he said, I'm not doing this. I'm going to pull out of it. And he started to hammer Iran with sanctions. President Biden is saying, hey, if they'll come back to the table and do what they're supposed to do, We are willing to fully engage all the way back into the JCPOA. The problem is, folks, you're negotiating with somebody that's not too honest, right? They're terrorists. They've got terrorist proxies in 30 nations around the world, almost half a million terrorist proxies around the world. And so, and they're funding them, funding them, funding them. There's money pouring to them. They lifted the sanctions. And so, not a good thing for our president to say, hey, we're willing to go right back into it if they'll, you know, hold up their end of the bargain. They're not going to hold up their end of the bargain. They're trying to get a nuclear weapon. And President Trump saw that. There were sunset clauses. It was a horribly negotiated deal. So now you can kind of get a big picture. There was a lot more to yesterday's speech. President Biden also stated, hey, that's the idea behind the build back better word world. He's talking about wealth redistribution. Around the world, he, he quoted this, and I'll see if I can get it done before the end of the program. He said, around the world, we're increasingly seeing citizens demonstrate their discontent, seeing wealth and well connected um They're growing rich and richer and taking payoffs and bribes, operating above the law, while the vast majority of people struggle to find a job or put food on the table or to get their business off the ground or simply send their children to school. People have taken to the streets in every region to to demand their governments address people's basic needs, give everyone a fair shot to succeed and protect their God-given rights. And in that chorus of voices across languages and continents, we hear a common cry, a cry for dignity, simple dignity. As readers, as leaders, it is our duty to answer that call, not to silence it. He said the United States is committed to using our resources and our international platform to substitute these voices, listen to them, partner with them, find ways to respond to the advanced human dignity around the world. And He goes on to, he said, and he goes on down through there talking about wealth inequalities. And he said, this is what Build Back Better, the Build Back Better world is all about. Have you ever seen uh, President Biden give a speech and it's got Build Back Better, a big slogan on the front? Um, The leader of Canada, Trudeau, he said, hey, Build Back Better is all about supporting the Sustainable Development Goals. What did I tell you earlier the Sustainable Development Goals were? The socialistic blueprint to govern every person on the planet. That's what Build Back Better, the Great Reset. They want to use crises to say, okay, after this crisis, the climate change crisis, the COVID, uh, uh, COVID um, crisis that's on the earth right now, We need on the, beyond that, we need to use these crises to do a Great Reset. To have to build back better. And it's all of that is devoted to supporting the Sustainable Development Goals, the socialist blueprint to govern the planet by the United Nations. Now you've got the history behind the United Nations. You understand what President Biden's goals are. The significance of what President Trump was doing. And it's the end time world government all over again. Thankfully, we're not going to be in it.